Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. I am your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show. Hi, everyone. I miss y'all. Um, I am at home. <laughs> it's a Thursday for me, sis, and I homegirl took off work. OK, so I am bulk recording some episodes and I recorded an episode before this one, thinking that that was going to be the episode I was going to release for this week. But I feel like I'm going to release this one first. So if y'all kind of get confused on what I was talking about in next week's episode know that I recorded the episode before this one my plan is to get content out to you all um and be a little bit more um just share more and be more consistent per huge I'm really working on the attacks of the mind and that's going to be the topic of next week's episode just a little spoiler alert um talking about the attacks of the mind and so I gave a whole spiel on like where I've been and what's been happening but I'm not gonna get into that spiel this week sis because I'm about to get into it so I'm happy to be back I'm talking to y'all again um and it's really exciting to just sit with here and talk on the off day where I'm off work really just focused and really at a happy place mentally just resting in God and like just kind of relaxing not at work (laughs) and so um just some quick housekeeping I am super excited about the auntie roundtable this weekend that I'm going to be speaking on a panel about mental health and wellness um This is like my first real event, like being asked to speak at something, which is like, oh, girl. Okay, sis. Um, And so I am really excited to talk about the topic of mental health. And if you're coming, I'm really excited to see you. Um, I think by the time this episode has gone out, the uh, event would have passed. But I'm, if you're coming to Memphis and you came, hey, girl. Um, but if you didn't come, please be on the lookout for other events um, that they will be featuring in other cities. So I'm really excited to be this being my first real event to actually speak on a panel. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about core belief and identity who says listen to me girl y'all this is by far one of the most challenging things that I have had to work through as part of my therapy experience 
because I realized I knew nothing about myself. When I went to therapy back in 2014, I thought like, I was like, oh girl, you know when you're in your early 20s and you think you know everything and you really don't and you look back and you like, girl, you didn't know Jack Dillity Squiggly squat, squat, squat. That was me. I So when I started therapy back in 2014, I went with the intention of just kind of working through some feelings of like self-esteem and thinking that that was going to be like the core of what I was going to work on. But I realized now I really didn't have a sense of my identity and anything about myself because so much of what I attached myself to about who I was was like attached to roles and who I thought I had to be in order to be okay. And so I spent most of my time this round of going through therapy the last two years, literally stripping down and peeling back the layers who of, of who I thought I was. And this was why I wanted to bring up this topic um, because I wanted to talk about this for a little while, but I didn't really know how to put this piece this together because this is such a complex topic identity and core belief really just kind of the aspect of identity and I think like especially nowadays people are always talking about like know your worth take care of yourself your identity is this and who you are is this and it's like everybody and a mama can tell you about your identity but you and everybody and their mama can tell you about your identity, but we're not seeking to find the one who created us and to find out from him who we are. And I think um, we attach so much of ourselves to circumstances. We attach so much of ourselves to what we're not doing, thinking we're better than other people as a point to say we're okay and that we have it all together. And the truth of the matter is we don't, just to be quite honest, like none of us have it fully together, if I'm just being frank. And so we have it together when we're in God because he puts us together. Um, but we don't ask the creator who created us who we should be. We center ourselves around society standards of what it this should look like or what it's necessary to do or you should do this in a relationship or you should do this as your job or you should do this as the thing that's going to take you to the next level instead of really just seeking the creator creative all things and so I wanted to introduce this idea of core belief um and just identity and like what it would look like for me to really just kind of briefly give a statement of what it means to find yourself in the identity in Christ. And so starting off with this, we're going to start with some quick definitions of what core belief is. And so core is the central part of various fruits where seeds are the central, most important part. Belief is the trust and faith or confidence in something or someone and so when you think about this core belief, when you think about the most important and central part of you, what do you believe? What do you put your faith and confidence in? Um, 
it's natural as humans and I'm not sitting here trying to make this be unrealistic. It's natural for us as human beings to put our faith or trust in everything else that is not God. But when we are really trying to work to have our faith and trust in God, you have to know like, what are the things that you put your faith and trust in now to then put them before God and say, Lord, I give this to you. And so that was my biggest struggle because I realized when I was, especially at the very beginning of therapy, like me and my therapist addressed identity at the very beginning. And so when you're, when, so when you arrive in this world, you're completely shaped by things that have or haven't happened to you. Like, I was shaped by my parents' breakup, my me and my dad's lack of a relationship. I was shaped by bad relationships, emotionally abusive relationships. I was shaped by the fact that I had to walk to work when I was in high school. I was shaped by the fact that this didn't happen to me or that um, I wasn't... Pr- probably seen as like the prettiest girl in high school or probably like this, 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 and that. And so when I came to therapy with 27 years of thinking, I knew about myself, the things that I thought I knew at the core, I didn't know who I was. Like when my therapist asked me a while back, like, who are you? I couldn't really tell her anything. I didn't really have an, a, a real identity because so much of my identity was attached to circumstances and things. Like I would tell her, you know, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm this. But like, who are you? Not the things that have happened to you, but who are you? And so I had a struggle with identifying what the core of my belief was because it was so it was so attached to things and people and roles and all this stuff instead of like who God said I was. I'm the my I I am the I'm a part of a lineage of royalty through the blood of Jesus. Like I can say that now, but like truly even breaking that down like what does that mean? And so I'm going to go go through three points of kind of how I broke this down a little bit and uh, for myself, but also the perspective of God. Um, So a part of what I had to do when I went to therapy was just literally peel back the onion layers. And this is why I tell y'all to go to therapy um, to work through your identity, because you really, truly, in my opinion, can't really like know who you are. Until you know who you've been. You can't really walk into saying you're this person when you don't look back and say, who have I been before I was this? And so in knowing that, who has God created me to be and who and what has shaped me over time? And so the first point is. Um, knowing God's identity and who we are in him. Now, this by itself needs an entire podcast. Actually, let me let me skip that point real quick and I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to address myself first and then I'll come back to that. When we don't know our identities, this is my point. Um, we don't we gravitate to any and everything that gives us satisfaction in that moment. 
And so for me, for Rosalind, much of what I realized as I was going through therapy, but I didn't know that this was a thing, was that I was always trying to seek the approval of people. I struggled with rejection, which is an episode that's going to be coming. I'm so excited about it Um, with my girl Charm, who is phenomenal at breaking down rejection. Um, I felt rejected a lot by my um, both of my parents, if I'm going to just be honest. I think um, my mom's rejection was more of like a subconscious thing. Like she didn't reject me on purpose, but it was hard for me to feel like I could come to her about a lot of stuff because she was so inundated with her own stress that it was it, I felt like it was a burden for me to do that. And so now I definitely don't feel that way. Like I can go to my mom about anything now, but as a teenager growing up, I was always trying to get this personal feeling of I need to feel loved by somebody, but I know my mom is stressed, so I don't want to pull on her because I know she has a lot going on. I never really felt fully loved by, uh, and not to say that this isn't true because somebody can love you like in their way of loving you, but not show it and not show it in a way that is probably under the love of God. Um, so like, you know, in your mind, your parents love you, but the way they treat you is completely different from what, what it probably means to be really shown love. And so I never felt really fully loved by my dad because he never really acted as if he loved me. Like, I don't know if his definition of love was more on the lines of like, um, you know, disciplining me and or like giving me gifts. But my love was like words. Like I wanted to hear from him. Like I loved you um, and act like it. And so I can't, not to place blame. This isn't a blame thing, but I was so shaped by those feelings of someone validating me and someone saying, hey, like you're loved, you're appreciated, you're wanted. That when I didn't get that, I was always looking in the world to get validation. My way of getting validation from people was helping them. Like I would get like, oh my God, thank you so much. And I would get so much validation from helping people. And so I used to want to help any and everybody. It's still something I'm working on. It's still something I'm learning now that now it's about boundaries, like boundaries with helping people. I don't want to help somebody when I'm drained. I'm learning like that's a point for me when I'm running on fumes that I can't, I can't help people. And also too, knowing that the, I always have to now consecrate my desire to help people before God, because now at this point, I know that that was a thing in my past that I used to validate me. And so I always have to remember that I had to crucify that because my desire to help people can sometimes come from a place of pride because I get something from it instead of helping genuinely with no desire to get anything back. And so my desire was wrapped in this validation that I received from others. And it was such a prideful place because I depended on their approval. So I felt empty. And I also, you would blame God. And it was so easy for me to hold a grudge with him because it was like, well, this is not enough. Like they, I need to help more people and I need to do more things. And I'm just like tired all the time or 
I would get so frustrated when people's attitudes towards me would change or they would find other people to help them or um, I would get frustrated when it was like everybody's only coming to me about their issues. Everybody's only coming to me about their problems and I don't want that. Like I want people to come to me about happy stuff and God's like, but you poured out all the time to people in a way that you wanted approval from them. Like I was always seeking the validation from them. And so I would hold grudges with people then. I would get irritated when people would only come to me about their issues. And I realized I never set the boundary. Remember the boundary, um, the baby gate I talked to y'all about was like, people going to go past that baby gate. That baby is going to keep going in and out of that baby gate when it's open. But when you close it, when you put that boundary up, that baby tantrum, tantrum, they have a big tantrum, tantrum. They cry, they scream, they holler until they get so tired of crying. And it's like, okay, I know I can't go past this boundary. I had to learn how to put boundaries up, but I couldn't. I felt so guilty about putting boundaries up. Because I felt like, but this is what I wanted to do to help people. It was it, it, it putting boundaries up felt like guilt. It felt like, but I need to do this, but I don't want to do it because it feels bad or it feels wrong. But so, and that's a whole nother podcast, but I put so much validation in people telling me, oh my God, you helped me so much. Oh my God, that's so, that's so helpful. Not to say even like with this, this is why I constantly say like I constantly have to consecrate it before God because I can recognize when my helping becomes prideful. I get, um, I'm constantly thinking about what can I do more of to get something back. And this is me being transparent. And so Another thing that I did where I gravitated was I gravitated my identity as a Christian to the things I quote unquote didn't do to sin. And so I identified myself as a Christian when I didn't have sex, thinking that would make me complete in God, or I didn't curse, so that didn't make that made me complete in God, or I went to church every Sunday, or I didn't drink, or I didn't do this, instead of really genuinely saying, like, look, regardless of whatever happens. I'm complete in God. If I mess up, God's going to convict me. But truly, I think when we attach ourselves to our, what we quote unquote don't do to sin, we're acting literally like the Pharisees. Like, in a, I'm trying to explain this in a sense where I can like really help people understand. You're not what you not, what you don't do. Ooh, that's it. You're not in God for what you don't do. You're in God by loving him. You're in God by accepting him. Your completeness in God begins when you accept him. It's not about what you quote unquote don't do or quote unquote don't watch or quote unquote don't see. Like that's not a that's not a heart that's centered in giving God your heart. That's a heart that's centered in your actions. And so, and I hope I'm explaining this correctly. So let me read a scripture. So Colossians 2, 9 through 10, when I say that your completeness is in God, for in Christ lives all fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. This is why it's important for God to strip you. Because listen, God will wreck you. 
to to show you how prideful you really are. He will literally strip you down to the to the nubs to tell you that and to show you that I'm the one that knows you. You're thinking that you're showing the world truly who you are, quote unquote, and really you're just prideful. And so God showed me like I had so much pride because I placed so much weight in quote unquote, I'm a Christian. I don't do these things instead of it being about me just giving him my heart. And so it's still a thing because it becomes a thing where I have to remember the identity of my identity in God is not attached to my quote unquote sins I don't do. And the sins other people do don't make me greater than them. Like they just don't sis. I'm equal in God's eyes to them. He doesn't love me more than he loves them. And so, like, again, I said, God, but here's the thing. God knows that we gravitate to things that we, and he knows we will gravitate to things that feed our flesh, but there's always unfulfillment in those things. There's always an unfulfillment when we gravitate to things that are not of him. So like me gravitating to seeking validation from people like over time, like that wore me down because I was I was tired, but people were happy. I was tired, but people felt fulfilled. I was tired, but people were always coming to me and feeling and getting a word of God. But really, I'm like tired. But it also, too, in turn, became a thing where people then saw me as the source instead of God. They looked at me as like being the main source instead of their personal relationship with the Lord. And so it's important to, again, strip your identity. Allow God to strip you and show you who you are and where that comes from. So I'm going to read a scripture um, Mark 11, um, 12 through 14. And like, I'm going to show you why it's important that you, that God, um, strip you because you'll begin, if not, you will begin to walk around thinking and looking like you have it all together when in all actuality, you really don't. So we'll go to Mark 11, 12 through 14. Now, the next day when they had come to Beth, come out of Bethany, he was hungry. This is talking about Jesus showing how, let me just pause and say, just showing the nature of how human Jesus was. He was hungry and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he had come to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat from you ever again. Oof. Okay, so I'm going to break this down. So my Bible talks about why this is, why Jesus cursed this tree, um, but also really the nature of why this tree looked like it had fruit, but it really didn't. So fig trees, so this is what my notes say, fig trees were common as a source of food. Three years were required for planting until fruit bearing. After that, a tree could be harvested twice a year, usually yielding much fruit. 
The figs, listen to this, the figs normally grew with the leaves. The tree had leaves. This tree had leaves, but strangely no fruit. That this tree was alongside of the road. Um, let me see. I'm also reading. Um, oh, okay. It implies it was public property. It was also apparently good soil because of the foliage was ahead of season and 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 ahead of surrounding fig trees. The abundance of leaves held out promise that the tree might also be on schedule with its fruit. So basically what this is saying is this tree, so much so that Jesus was like, oh, that tree got leaves. It must have fruit. I'm hungry. Let me go eat. My bad. Y'all know I live by the train. My bad, sis. Let me just pause for the cause and let that sit with y'all. Okay. So much so that Jesus even said, Oh, or looked at the tree and said, oh my gosh, this tree has fruit. I'm hungry. Walked over to the tree, doesn't have any fruit. He curses it. This is what happens when we are walking around thinking that we got it all together and we don't. We're looking like we have everything together, but really we have no fruit. And the fruit of the spirit is the joy, peace, all of these things. And so basically what I'm trying to say to y'all is and being transparent for me, I used to identify and think that I had it together and was doing the works of God and doing things for Jesus. In all reality, my identity was tied to so many other areas. I didn't know this until I really like delved through my past to see why the attachment of those things, what happened to me and what I didn't get fulfilled for me as a kid and what I gravitated to as I became an adult. Because ultimately, kids need love, kids need validation, kids need all these things over time. So when they don't get it and they grow up to be adults, they're constantly gravitating to something that's going to give them fulfillment. And so God knows this. This is why he gave so many examples about who he was and what he offered and what he what he gives to us constantly. Grace, love, understanding, peace, joy, because when we don't have those things, we'll gravitate to whatever is not of him. And so because God knows these things, Jesus cursed the tree. He said, you can't bear fruit because you're you're looking as if you have something that you really don't. And I don't want this to be a thing where I have things in the earth that look like they have something and they don't. So I'm cursing it. Not to say like that's. Yeah. So I'm saying that to say, like, be under the fullness of God. Let God strip your identity. God, we are complete in Christ. Again, when I said your completeness begins when you accept God, when we accept God, we're complete in him. He just has to then show us who we are. So going into my first point that I wanted to talk about with God's identity and who we are in him. Understand. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So since we are God's masterpiece, he is the creator. 
He knows us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet, no matter how jacked up we may seem and be. He is so amazing to offer completeness in him. We don't have to fear God in the sense of coming to him. Do never, never fear coming to the father. Never fear sharing this with God. This enlightenment of God showing me how prideful I was. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it feels bad to feel like, who Jesus, like you showing me who I really am, but I'd rather God show me who I am than the world show me who I think I am. And it's not true. God is the master. He's, we are his masterpiece. God said, let us make man in our image. He wanted to create, never listen to me. If y'all don't ever hear nothing else I say besides going to therapy, never fear going to the father. God does not care how messed up you are. He would rather you be messed up and jacked up from the flow up because I've even came to him like, Lord, how do you love me? And I'm like this. I've loved you before you knew who you were. And so I'm going to also tag below a link about an article that talks about what God thinks of us. And I want y'all to read this because it was so good. It talked about why we're valuable in God, why we're new in God, why we, we, why we have the spirit of God, why we're transformed in God, why God represents, um, why, how we represent him. Like that's such a good article. Please read that article because it's, it's packed with scripture on things that can be good for study for you. Um, God has given us the biggest blessing of knowing who he is and this love itself. The blessing comes from him, but many times we don't believe it because we allow our past to shape our identities. God's love is beyond our past. Now, this takes time to mentally grasp. Like, I'm not even sitting up here saying this to y'all as a point of like, this is something that happened overnight for me. This is something I'm this is something I'm still learning. But this is why the stripping is so important, because when we strip our identity of who we think we are, it's necessary for us to see and know. And I think that we have to be able to say um, that we need God. Because it becomes a thing where we have to allow him to strip us. Again, going back to what I said, I used to think I was so responsible for helping everyone. When I realized I was pouring from an empty well and I thought my value came from, I thought my value in God came from helping other people. I was, I felt so tired. Instead of knowing that my completeness is in God, period. No matter if I do feel like sometimes I'm helping people too much, God will provide a place of rest. There have been times where literally I will plan stuff knowing I need to rest. I will plan a meeting with somebody and all of them get canceled for some reason because God's like, you need to relax. You be doing too much sometimes. And so instead of proving like I'm this quote unquote good Christian or looking like the tree with leaves and no fruit. I didn't understand the meaning of like really resting in God and knowing that he wanted my heart. And so in studying God's identity, 
We have to see who he is. Now, that's not going to say, and this goes back to what um, next week's episode will be about in the understanding of God and why when we're attacked in our minds, why our understanding is of God is closed off. Because if the devil knows that he can get our understanding of God, he has our ability to know the knowledge of who God is. This is how he he completely deceived Eve because it was an attack of her understanding of God. Did God really say that? But he knows if you eat of this fruit, you will have full knowledge of good and evil. Is that what the scripture says? I hope it, I hope that's what it said. Did God really say that to you? Did God really say he would never leave you? Because it seems like what's going on right now, he's nowhere nearby. Did God really say that, you know, he he promises you abundance and peace, but you're struggling financially right now. How is that of God? Did God really say that he would provide you with a partner that would help that would that you could come alongside and help? But it seems right now like you ain't got nobody hitting up your phone or your DMs. God must not provide no promise of you being in a relationship. This is why we're attacked so hard about our faith, because we don't really truly have the full understanding of God's identity and who we are in him. You got to know yourself and to know to know yourself is to know the father, to know who you are in him. And so my last point, just to kind of wrap this up, is to really understand that God, it's not in God's nature to leave us to figure this out on our own. God knows what's happened to you. I'm going to read something really quickly to you all. Um, and I'm reading this um, devotional. I'm going to tag it below. It's such a good devotional for the purpose of the devotion really talks about this. Um, it gives a lot of uh, God speaking, if that makes sense. Like it starts the devotion off with like things that God would tell you. And so it's called Surrendering Control. It's through the Bible app. I'm going to link it below. So you ain't got the worry, sis. I got you, girl. Um, I'm going to link it below. And find it on the Bible app. If you're looking for like a really good devotion, I'm going to read to you the one I read this morning. This was day four, and I'm just going to read it to you. And it talks about beginning your conversations with God. This was helpful to me to hear and read because I think that most times we just don't know how available God is and we don't know how much he cares for us. So I'm going to read it out loud to you, and then I'm going to get into the rest of my points. How to begin conversations with God. And the devotion starts with like as things God would say to you. You call me Lord. I hear you. I hear the words. I see your mouth moving. I see your heart stirred. You want more, more of me, or at least you think you do. But if you're but if you're honest, honest about what you think you really need, what you really want, it isn't me. It's rescue. It's a way out. It's wisdom. It's direction. It's provision. It's a bandage on a wound that is bleeding out just slowly that you don't see. It's okay to call out to me in need. I love when you do that. 
I love that you look at me for help for yes, I am your provider. I am helper. I am rescuer. But as but I am so much more than that. I am the foundation of all things. I am moving, not just a noun, but a verb. I am all things and between all things. I'm the connector between all moments, all people, all emotions, all situations, all possibilities. I am the connection to. I've known you all your life. I have always been with you. And yet you call out to me, but do not know what you really ask. You call out to me, but do not know whom you speak. You want things, but you need love. You want circumstances to change, but you want more. So much more that you too need me. Son, daughter, you need me. So get to know me, but first ask, what is it that hold that's holding you back from seeking a relationship with me? A relationship that is more than just words, a relationship that is more than just sermons, a relationship that is more than just rules, a relationship that is more than just a lot of things with me is abundance, abundant love, abundant peace, abundant light, abundant hope with me is with me. There is conversation. Give and take, loving, listening and speaking, love and love and love, conversation with me, relationship with me. It looks like this. Listen, it begins with me. I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. My son, my daughter, my daughter, my son. Do you hear me? Do you receive me? Open your ears to your heart. I never tire of telling you how much I love you. This is the beginning of the conversation. Here, let me tell you again. I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. My son, my daughter, my daughter, my son. Now your turn. Your mouth can say the words back if you want. Or you can let your heart respond without words too. How you participate in the conversation is not what's important. What's important is that your soul receives the love I have to give you. The, that your heart accepts it, receives it. For Then the conversation begins. Then the conversation is in full swing. When you receive my love, your heart can't help but reciprocate. Oh, I love the language of your heart. Start at the beginning, son, daughter. Start at the beginning, the beginning of desire, the beginning of need, the beginning of pain, the beginning of hope. And you will see that it isn't your, it isn't just your mind, your words that call out to me, but your heart, your heart, your heart. Let me show you whom you speak. Let me take a deeper Let me take you deeper to show you your heart's true craving and the desire underneath the desire to cry out underneath the cry. I satisfy your desperation. I answer the cries of your heart, but I have so much more for you to consider this. Ask yourself if you know me, if you want to know me, if you want to get to know me more, and then let's begin the conversation. I can't I can't wait to connect with you. Just you, you. So again, that's the um, devotion I'm going to share. But again, God knows what happened to you. 
Jesus never leaves us to figure this out on our own. So much so that God sent him in his own flesh to die for us for the fulfillment that we needed to join back with God to do this life. And so if you think you're alone in this process, understand that's a lie from the enemy. God's nature is to be relational. He is a God of relationship. He said, let's make man. Let's let us make man in the garden together. Be fruitful and multiply. Go make disciples and baptize them in my name. Like his whole purpose is for us to be relational with him. And so use counseling to help you dive deeper into that relationship with God, but also dive deeper into the identity, spending time to understand his nature, make declarations of who he is over your mind and your heart to cover you in the full armor of God. Um, And if it means starting off with this devotional, just to get that in you, that was so helpful for me um, to just kind of let it digest in my heart. And I think that that's going to be super, super helpful for you. So that is all I have for you today. Again, be on the lookout for next week's episode. As I said, I went dived, I went headfirst into kind of what's been happening with me, why I've been so inconsistent. Um, And I just wanted to share this message with you all. So be on the lookout for next week's episode. And I hope you enjoyed this one. I love you all so much. And I'll talk to you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.